Um, we have, well, let me just talk about a few things before I jump into what, what I'm going to share with you, my main message today. Um, I'll start with this one, because I think we need to pray about something. And the thing I think we need to pray about is, um, I've told you a little bit along the journey, uh, some of the things that are happening in government about the Canada Summer Jobs Grant and how there's a new sort of requirement if people want to employ students in the summer through the Summer Job Grant that they have to agree to a sort of values test uh, with the government. And it's sort of a, you know, it's been a tricky thing for churches to navigate and, and, and a lot of non-Christian charities to navigate. And tomorrow is, there's, I think it's, yeah, I think it's tomorrow, the 19th of March, that there's going to be a vote in the House of Commons. Um, and the vote is basically to alter the, uh, the actual documentation that you would need to sign uh, so that it's not so restrictive. And uh, so, um, I think that's, that would be good. I think that would be just. Uh, we always want just government. Um, it's, it's not... Uh, so it would be something I'd, I'd like us to pray about. But I always want us to pray um, biblical prayers. So I'm going to, if I can get you guys on the tech booth there, if you can just put up First um, Timothy 2, 1 to 5 there. Okay. So let me just, I want to read these verses through and then we're going to pray, okay? But this is a guideline for how we pray for those in government, okay? Or any leader, any leader, okay? So let's just walk this through. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. So you should pray for everybody, even the people you don't like. You should pray for them, that God would do good in their lives, that he would bless them, that he would help them to, you know, align with him. You can do that for anybody. Let's go to the next verse. It says, then it says specifically for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. So one of the great desires we have for our society is that everybody in Moose Jaw, everybody in Canada, would be able to live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And so that, we want that for Christians, we want that for non-Christians, we want everybody to be able to experience that. And so we pray for those who are in authority. They have very difficult decisions to make, and uh, we pray that they'll make good decisions. So if you think of anyone in leadership or in authority and you're tempted to just only criticize them, maybe also pray for them at least, or maybe pray instead of criticizing. That might be good because they have difficult decisions to make and we want to support them in prayer that they'd have the wisdom to make that. Then the next one is, this is good. And it pleases God our Savior. Okay, so as Christians, good. Next who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. So, um, I think these things are linked. Um, we often will pray, especially at our prayer summits, we, we, about seven times a year we do a prayer summit. It's a special time of prayer on a Sunday night and we come to, we often pray this prayer. We say, Lord, would you keep the window open? Would you keep the window open? We live in a, in a, in a country that has incredible religious freedom. Would you keep that window open? Would you, would you keep that window of peace and harmony? People living peaceful and quiet lives, you know, just going about their business and living lives. Would you keep that window open? But not just for that window's sake, but so people could be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Would you keep that window open so people could experience the love of Jesus to be saved from uh, the effects of sin in their lives and also from the guilt of sin in their lives and 
and have a relationship with God. Uh, we don't want a society that's all full of conflict and war and, 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 and we don't want that. We want peaceful and quiet lives, but, but we also want this for people. We want them to experience the same grace that God has brought into our lives. And uh, so we want them to be able to experience that. And then the last verse says, for there's one God and mediator between, there's one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me and pray? So just, I'd ask you to pray along and agree. Don't let me be the only one who's praying for sure. I know you don't do that. So that's great. Let's pray. Yeah, Father, we thank you that uh, we can always approach you in prayer when there's something that's troubling us or that we think there's something at stake and we really believe that there could be something at stake in this. We really think that a Canada is a better Canada with religious freedom than if it goes the other way. And so, Lord, we ask that you'd give the leaders in the House of Commons great wisdom. I pray for, I know it's often antagonistic there and it's just cut along party lines. I pray that you'd give them great wisdom. I pray for each member of parliament that there be a conviction that falls on them in this area to under, and, and an understanding. Uh, sometimes you, words just create a smoke screen and people can't see through the fog and I pray that there be clarity. People would really know what they're voting about and what they're choosing. And Lord, we ask for all of those in authority that you give them the kind of wisdom they need to make good judgments so that the people of Canada could live those peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. God, I think you, you desire, you love every Canadian. You love every Canadian. You want them to be drawn into relationship with you. You want them to have the opportunity to respond to you. And so, Lord, we just ask for religious freedom to continue in Canada. We ask for any encroachment of, of, of uh, that being taken away. We, we plead with you and ask that you would, uh, you would uh, oppose that. You would, you would uh, uh, raise up a standard against that. When the enemy is trying to uh, change the, the atmosphere here in Canada, Lord, we ask for religious freedom. We thank you for it. Thank you for all the blessings we have as Canadians. Thank you that we're so blessed to be uh, either born in this country or moved into this country. And we ask that you would make us a blessing to it. Would you make us as, as followers of you a blessing to Canada? We ask that in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me on that. I'm so encouraged um, by all the things that are happening in the church and we're in the middle of a 1 Corinthians series here. We've been, we, we're not in the middle. We're near the end, actually. It's supposed to end at Easter, so we've got two more weeks, and we're going to spend the last two weeks focused on the resurrection. But, you know, we're sort of in the middle of something else right now, and I'm actually going to... I'll use a bit of 1 Corinthians this morning, but I'm, I want to talk about a little bit about where we're at right now in the middle of our sort of our year. And um, we are doing so many things right now to train ourselves to be godly. Let me list some of them for you. Um, we just finished the six-week Hearing God seminar. There's a few dozen people who took in the, that, that seminar and that training, right? So uh, reading the Bible every day and, and then listening in prayer to see what kind of guidance. So they're training to learn to discern what God wanted to um, them to do or, or, or to, uh, to understand, uh, you know, 
how, how it is, how to discern between, is that my thought or is that God's thought? You know, some of those things. So they went through a training, six weeks of that. And that's finished, and that was a wonderful time. I got to do that Monday and Thursday, every week. Monday and Thursday, every, every uh, week in the evening, I got to be with incredible people as they were uh, going through that training in order to uh, be able to better sense the direction of God in their lives and the voice of God in their lives. And then this weekend, boy, was this weekend an amazing weekend. We just finished our second, we, every year we do a couple set-free retreats, and our set-free retreat just was this Friday and Saturday. And we had 33 people taking that training. And you know what? This was a very remarkable one. We had people coming from all over for it. In fact, some of you who are sitting here, you are those people who came from all over uh, because you stayed. Thanks for staying. You know, it's funny, you came to Moose Jaw not to swim at the spa and not to go to the tunnels. You came to come to the set free retreat. Late last night, I went to Humpty's. That's my sort of go-to second office. I went to Humpty's last night and I sat at my table. I actually have a table there. The waitresses all know that's your table. So I've carved my name into it. No, I haven't. (laughs) But there's my table. It's at the back. It's far away from the TVs. I'm not distracted there. And I sat at my table, and the thought hit me. And you know, it's just one of these things. I don't know if it's from God or not, but I just sort of, it was a what-if thought. I thought, what if in the future, is it possible that, again, I'm just, this is so big, you know, you almost don't even want to breathe it into air when things are this big. But I said, what if in the future, more people booked hotel rooms in Moose Jaw on a specific weekend for the set free retreat than any other thing that's happening in town. Now I just, I said it, and I want to back away from it because it's too big, it's too big. But God is bigger, right? God is big. So I just throw that out there, I'm just, I just said it, that's all I did. I didn't commit to any sort of game plan towards getting towards, but, I, but there's probably about 20 people who uh, booked hotel rooms in Moose Jaw to come and train themselves to be godly. And now we're right in the middle of, of those things having just been accomplished. Those things having just been accomplished, and now there's some new things as well. Um, we're, we're right on the cusp of three really significant initiatives. Uh, we're really, I mean, it, when you talk about being in a spiritual battle, we're, we are aiming to take some ground in these next three initiatives um, the first one is going to happen Tuesday night. We finally settled on a night, Tuesday night, for our Conquer series. I'm going to, we'll show you the trailer here in just a second here. Uh, unfortunately, we're about to, our projectors, their shelf life is sort of diminished over the years, and it's a little bit dark. You won't be able to see it very well, but I'm going to show you this trailer. But let me just tell you, before we show the trailer, uh, we already have 35 men signed up, and that was Friday. And, and sign-ups, because it's online, they're coming in every day. So I don't know if that's the current tally, but we have at least 35 men signed up for our Conquer series. And it's, Conquer series is all about um, how, do, how do you as a man be sexually pure in an impure culture? When there's a relentless battle being waged against us in this area where it's really difficult to uh, be healthy and whole in your mind even in this area because of some of the sickness that's in the culture. How do you do that? And so we have men who are coming to train to be godly in this area on Tuesday, 35 minimum, and I bet by the time we get there, there'll be a few more than that. So let me show you, let's show, I'm going to show you the trailer here. I want to show you the trailer so you get a little bit more of a taste of what it's about. Again, it's a little bit too dark 
to be fully seen. If we can get enough house lights down, maybe we'll be able to see most of it, but it's a little bit of a darker trailer, but here we go. in the sexual battle of its life. If you take it just a standard cookie cutter Christian, don't do this, don't do that, it won't work. It's going to really sweep through the church like a tsunami wave of destruction in the family. I had wanted to fly in a jet aircraft since I was four years old. I wanted to be a fighter pilot. Hey, and so it was all I was living for. Still think you're a hot shot? You won't last 10 seconds in combat. You know how to fly, but you don't know how to fight. You have to understand how the enemy is personally bushwhacking you. I was an alcoholic. I was a sex addict. I was completely out of control. Like I had a rope around my leg, they have a noose around their soul. And the harder they pull against it, the worse it gets. That's why trying harder doesn't work. You have to know your enemy if you're going to win. It's not just going to go away. That's the power of sexual bondage. It promises you everything, gives you absolutely nothing. It feels as if there's no hope you're never getting out of this. But the shed blood of Jesus Christ guarantees there's a way out. God guarantees you. His word is very clear. The curse will be visited the third or fourth generation. We will create trails in our brain that are just going to fire on an automatic sequence. You're fighting for the very lineage that God gave you. What a man does in life becomes history, but what he puts into motion becomes his legacy. And if you will break this curse, then your sons and your daughters have a better shot. It took me three and a half years, but I'll tell you now, you know what I'm having the joy of? It's sweet revenge. The very thing the enemy used against me as a weapon, now God is forged by the hammer of his adversity that he's brought in my life, by the hammer of his challenges, by the correction of my soul, and he's formed it into a weapon, and I'm taking sweet revenge against the enemy. And that's what God has for you. day determine who you are and how you can fly. It will put a weapon in your hand that you can conquer and begin to help other men. I believe in you, Roberts. So you hear that? We want to put a weapon into the hands of men so that they can conquer in this area and also help other men. So I know some guys, they're coming, they're just saying, hey, I want to get equipped uh, for my own battle. Other guys are coming and saying, I want to just not only be equipped for my own battle, but I see the potential to also help other guys. And so I want to be trained as well. So training to be godly uh, for in the Conquer series starts Tuesday night, 7 to 9. And uh, it's a five-week series. Look, you see the 12 CDs up there. It's, only, it's not that we've got a different version of it. It's five weeks, and, uh, and we're starting this Tuesday night. So I'm excited about that. We're training to be godly. Uh, there's another couple 
initiatives that we're starting. We want to take territory. We want to, we want to advance. And so we have a growing in devotions group that's starting its Wednesday mornings. Uh, let me just make sure I got the time right. It's, it's 9.30 to 11.30 Wednesday mornings. So our, our prayer pastor, Dr. Or doctor, I'll call her a doctor, Dr. Laura Blackman. <laughs> She'd love that. She's not here this morning, so she missed it. Um, anyhow, our pastor, Laura Blackman, our prayer pastor, she's going to be leading that. And uh, there's already a, a, a group there, but there's, you can join that. You can join that. Seven weeks, Growing in Devotions is what it's called. Growing in Devotions. And, um, and if you've struggled to maintain a regular sort of devotional life with God, uh, if you struggle, if you know, like reading the Bible or praying is, is a hard thing. And hey, like I think let's, most of us would say in this busy climate, in this busy world that we live in, it is challenging. And uh, so those, that's, um, that group, that's, that women's group is going to meet on um, Wednesday mornings, and they're going to be training to be godly. They're going to be training to be godly. Let me give you one last one. Um, next week, Sunday night, is our first ever, we've never done it before, it's a family prayer summit, and it's a prayer summit for all ages. And uh, I've been just hearing little glim- whispers and glimpses of, of what's happening with that. Uh, but Laura Stackrock uh, and, and others have been putting together an amazing interactive prayer event for us. So it's, and it's for all ages. It's for uh, grandparents, parents, teenagers, kids. It's, it's a do-it-together um, uh, event. It, there's all these prayer stations that they're developing. They will, they'll have instructions and suggestions will be provided. They'll show you how every age can interact with the prayer stations that they're setting up. Um, they're doing a ton of work to get ready for this. I think it's going to be a major event in the life of our church. I'm really excited for our, we've never done it before, but a family prayer summit. Again, um, training to be godly, training to pray, um, and to do it together as families, I think is going to be an amazing dynamic. I'm really excited about the multi-generational approach. So all these things are happening, and so it's sort of like, I feel like we've just taken some ground, and we're about to take some ground. And so I want to talk about this very thing I've been saying, this training to be godly. Let me just read to you from 1 Timothy 4 and 7 to 9. And this is uh, an older man named Paul writing to a younger man named Timothy. And he said, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Okay, Timothy, that's not what you're to be about. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. So there's value in physical training. The Bible says so. You probably know that that's true already, but the Bible says that there's value in physical training. There's some value in that. Physical training speaks to what we're able to do with our body. What would you like to do with your body? What would you like to do with your body? You ever think about that? In the future, what would I like to do with my body? Maybe if you've experienced an injury or something, you say, well, I want to I get rehabilitated so I can walk normally again or so I can function normally so my shoulder won't be so sore. You know, maybe it's, it's restorative. Or maybe you, you really have a, grand, a big, big goal you want to do. You say, well, I want to get to the level of physical fitness that I can actually do a great big goal. My wife came in a couple weeks ago. She was driving in our neighborhood, and she came in, and she was just laughing, just laughing. And I said, why are you laughing? What's well, so funny. Like, let me in on the joke. And she said, I saw some guys from the church, 
and they were hiking down Athabasca with backpacks on their back. And uh, anyhow, I really shouldn't out my brother Dan or Marlon or Darius. Nick Lamb's a part of it too, some guys you know. But they have a big dream, and their big dream is they want to hike the West Coast Trail on Vancouver Island this summer. That's a 75-kilometer hike. That's days in the bush. And so why are they trudging through the snow with huge backpacks in the middle of Moose Jaw down Athabasca? (laughs) Because they know they need training to do this. They know they need training, and so they're training to have this great, wonderful thing. I, I mean, who would like to, who wouldn't, who'd like to try that? You'd say, I'd like to do that before in my lifetime. I'd like to try that, the West Coast Trail. Okay, only three of you. Um, <laughs> they are crazy, aren't they? Anyhow. <laughs> no. But you probably have a different thing that you'd like to be able to do with your body. A different thing that you'd like to do with your body. Right? I'd like to be buff. And I have taken some steps towards that. Every month I donate to the local gym. (laughs) It hasn't had the effect that I was hoping for. I've come to realize that you actually have to train at the local gym, not just send them a monthly donation. I don't mind. They do good work. I, I don't mind supporting them. But what what do you want to be able to do with your body? Physical training is of some value. What do you want to be able to do? Some people say, I just want to breathe easier. Some people say, I I want to have a little more energy for my day. I want to be able to play with my grandkids. Maybe you have big goals. I want to run a marathon. I don't know what it is. But what do you want to do with your body? What do you want to do? Maybe it's a skill development, right? If you want to gain skills, it's important to train. It's important to train. You know, maybe there's things that is there's dexterity, there's there's skills. Maybe you want to play the piano. You don't get better at playing the piano just by trying harder, hitting the keys harder. You go into a, a path of training. Maybe you take some lessons and check out YouTube videos and you, and you get the basics under your, you do scales and you, you train yourself. What if you want to uh, have very specific skills that are job related? You know, if you walked into Canadian Tire and you said, I'm, I'm, I saw you, you're looking for someone to work on cars, I'd like to work on the cars that you have. They'll say, well, what's your training? I say, well, I don't have any training, but I try real hard. Are there any cars you'd like me to try hard on? They say, no, we only have cars that we'd like people to apply their training to. So scram. You gotta train. You gotta train. And physical training has some value. In the summer, last summer, I, um, for my kids, I, I made a, an incentive program for their summer vacation. And it was all about training. So I, missed, I made a two-page list of challenges. And, I was, and they all have money attached to them. 
And it's just stuff I thought it would be good if they could do. So there's stuff about, uh, you know, I got, if you write a letter to our sponsor kid in French, she'll give you 20 bucks. If you read this book, 15. If you get your typing speed up to this level, I pay for that. Um, you know, here's, here's a math challenge. Uh, can you do a backflip on the trampoline? I'll pay money for that. Ten bucks, but I have to see it happen. <laughs> Different books to read. Um, the Favorite Brother Challenge. They all have titles. I'll read you some of the titles. The Favorite Brother Challenge. Read a book per day to your youngest brother for a streak of seven days. Seven days, I pay five bucks. Fourteen days, I pay fifteen. You've got to do the streak. If you skip a day, no money. Right? What about juggling? I had that on there. If you can get a 15-catch streak with three balls, I'll pay 15 bucks for that. If you can only do a three-catch streak, I'll give you a buck. Right? The chef challenge. Make a meal plan in advance. Grocery shop with mom and make family suppers for a five-day streak. A measly 15 bucks. <laughs> they did not do that one. <laughs> Maybe I got to up the money amount, Right? I got scriptures I wanted them to memorize, books I wanted them to, re to read. Um, uh, the take a load off mum challenge. Four loads of laundry, washed, dried, folded, and put away in one day. 20 bucks. Am I too cheap? Just let me know. Let me know. <laughs> How about the get Jack challenge? Work out three times in a week with dad. A one-week streak is worth five bucks. If you do a two-week streak, you get 10 bucks, and a three-week streak is 20 bucks. You got to week out, work out three times a week with that. Uh, oh, their favorite one was the Steph Curry challenge: fifty baskets per day for a seven-day streak. In fact, that was the one they not only did, but they just kept doing on their own afterwards. It was like once they got paid for the training, they keep wanting to train, and that was really good because they both play basketball this fall. They both were able to contribute towards their team, and it ended up being very positive. One of my favorite ones is pass the U.S. Army Fitness Test Challenge, <laughs> which includes run two miles in under 15 minutes and 54 seconds, do 42 push-ups in under two minutes, and do 53 sit-ups in under two minutes. Pass one part of the test, five bucks. Pass two parts of the test, 15 bucks. Pass the whole test and be ready to join the Army, $50. <laughs> They're still living with us, so they didn't get $50. <laughs> I saved some money, anyhow. Train. See, here's the thing that I think people say. I think this is where we get it wrong. We say, I'm going to try. If you took some of these big things and you tried, you would fail. If you say, I'm going to try to be an Olympian. Yeah, just show up in Pyeongchang and see if they'll let you on the hill or let you play on the hockey team. No, you needed to train. I'm sorry. You need to train. You're gonna, you say, I'm going to just try to run a marathon. I'm just going to put my shoes on, get off the couch, and run. Forrest Gump could do it, can't I? No, you've got to train. I'm going to play guitar in the worship band. Kirk, can I play guitar in the worship band next week? How much training do you have? None. But I'm going to try hard. In fact, I'm going to try harder than any guitarist you ever had. 
I got a whole repertoire of scissor kicks and, and all sorts of things. I watched Guns N' Roses growing up and I'm gonna bring it on Sunday. No, you've gotta train. You can't just try. You gotta train. So physical training speaks to what we are able to do with our body. It has some real value. But let me read the verses again. It says, train yourself to be godly for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all, all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. See, in a, in a few seconds, I'm going to talk about the other part of training, the training yourself to be godly, which I'm celebrating right now because so many of you are training yourself to be godly. I'm so pumped. Well, this church. You, you want to know what I want? You want to know what the one thing I really hope to get better at in the physical side of things? I took a class this last week uh, out at Briarcrest at the seminary on being a better communicator. I'd love to be a better communicator. I'd love to be a better communicator. So I took this class. So I was out there all week, and there's like presentations you'd have to do. And so and then there's all these things you had to keep in mind. Like it's not, you know, it was like you're going to be critiqued by your fellow students and by the instructor afterwards. So make sure that you, you, you do all these things that you've been taught to do. And so there were things like how much energy do you bring, you know? And I was, I'm, I'm thinking I'm getting ready for this. Anyhow, I'm doing the presentation, and I'm trying to do everything on the list. I'm bringing the energy, whatever, you know? And, 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 and use your voice. So sometimes you'll be loud and you're really talking loud. And then sometimes you're going to be like, quiet. You know? Because I won't bore your audience if you're quiet. And then make sure when you're talking that you suddenly use a dramatic pause. pretty uncomfortable, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe not for you, it is for me. <laughs> and then use your stage, use the whole area. Graham, how you doing? Yes, use the area. As a communicator, if you just stay up there, you're wasting all this space you've got. Use it. Right? Use your eyes. Jesse, you were getting sleepy. No, I just get it. And I was just excited. I was, so here I am. I'm doing my presentation. I'm using energy, and I'm, I'm using eye contact, and I'm using dramatic pauses, and I'm just trying to do everything I can to, to up my game. Because I thought, man, this really matters. This really matters. It matters. It matters. I get to communicate quite frequently with people, and it really matters how I communicate because what I'm communicating about is really important, and they're really important. Their journey is really important. And if I get to serve them somehow by my communication, oh, it would be so good if I could serve them better, with better communication. And so while I'm doing this, I'm totally like fellow students are sitting there and I'm trying to grab their attention. I'm trying to use every skill I have to not be boring. And I'm just trying my absolute hardest. And I'm just at the pinnacle of my presentation. And I think, I'm good at this. I'm fully alive in this moment, and this is going so well. And I turn to the left, and I see that Dr. Magnus, 
the instructor of the class has fallen asleep. That was not a shot of confidence. I was like, he fell asleep. Anyhow, I finished my presentation, sat down, he woke up. <laughs> now, let me be fair. Uh, Dr. Magnus is in the fourth quarter of his life. He's an older man. He has had some health issues lately. This is all true. And uh, he hadn't slept the night before. And he needed a nap, but he did choose my presentation as the best time. <laughs> So I got a ways to go. And please, after this message, don't come up to me and, and try to encourage me by saying, it's okay, Steve, sometimes I fall asleep when you speak too. That will, that will not have the intended effect. But physical training is of some value. But godliness has value for all things. In fact, it's so valuable that Paul in 1 Corinthians talks about how he was going to master this area of training and godliness in his life. He was going to master it. In fact, he told Timothy to train himself to be godly. But listen to how he talks about himself. I mean, it seems like such a challenge. Train yourself to be godly, Timothy. You're like, ooh, wow, this is great. But listen to how he talks about himself. He says... Do you not know that in a race all runners run? This is 1 Corinthians 9, 24. But only one gets the prize. Run in such a way to get the prize. Corinth, the city he's writing to, um, hosted something similar to the Olympic Games. The Olympic Games existed in the time of writing this part of the Bible. 2,000 years ago, the Olympics were there uh, in Athens. But... In Corinth, they had a similar type of Olympic-type games called the Isthmian Games. It was sort of the, like, if the Olympics was the big kahuna, this was the next biggest one. In fact, some people say that Paul, because by trade he was a tent maker, that some of the tents that he may have made would have been for people coming to Corinth to see the games. Isn't that crazy? So when Paul is saying this kind of athletic talk, Everybody in town knows what he's talking about because they host the games, the Isthmian games. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run? They all go, we know that. We, we see the runners when they, every time the games are on. But only one gets the prize. How should you run? So you can get the participant medal? No. It says run in such a way as to get the prize. Run for the gold. Own the podium. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. He's echoing what he says to Timothy. Physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. Holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. We do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly, just going for a jog. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. He's referencing the kind of sports they'd have at the Isthmian Games. Running would be part of it. 
boxing would be part of it. He's saying, I'm not beating the air. I'm not running, just going out for a run. I'm training, strict training. No, I strike a blow to my body. I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I will not be disqualified for the prize. He says, I discipline myself because the prize, the the result, the end of that training is so worth the training. It's so worth the discipline. It's so worth that strict training that I'll go into. So physical training renews your body for greater health and functionality, but godliness... It renews your mind. It renews your spirit. It renews your soul for greater spiritual health and for eternal results. Let me read to you out of Romans 12, 1 and 2. It talks about that renewing your mind. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. So basically, if you've received the mercy of God, you know how big that is. This weekend when we did the Set Free Retreat, it was so clear so clear. When you're doing like a total spiritual inventory of your life, and that's what you do at the Set Free Retreat. We go through and we do an inventory of our lives. When you go through that and you just really analyze and assess and allow God to show you uh, how much he's forgiven you, how much he's willing to forgive you, how huge his grace is, it, it just motivates you towards a response. You go, okay, I've been forgiven much. As Jesus said, if you've been forgiven much, you love much. Once you realize how much God has loved you, you it turns into, it gets echoed back in love to him. So physical training is, oh yeah, I was going to read Romans 12, 1 to 2. That's where I was saying. There we go. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. I would add to that every day. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Not just one time saying, God, I'm yours, but to regularly say that. I had, a, uh, I had heard this godly woman speak at a, a Christian camp in the summer. Her name was Anita Pierce. And just so godly, just so wise, just so, I mean, she would speak every night, and I'd just be like, Wow just convicted, but also challenged and inspired. And I thought, who doesn't want to have the same godly attributes that she has? She seems to be able to love like Jesus, forgive like Jesus. She teaches like Jesus. I, I was amazed by her. So I, I, I took her aside at one point and I said, uh, what kind of training have you had to be where you're at? And she was later on in life. She's probably... in around 70 years of age. So what kind of training have you had? What kind of disciplines have you had in your life? And she says, well, I've tried this discipline and that discipline and the other one. She goes, there's only one I actually have done every single night since I became a, a, a Christian until now. I said, tell me, what is that one thing? She says, um, every night I get beside my bed and I get onto my knees and I tell Jesus that I belong to him. Then I crawl into bed and I try to read one chapter of scripture. And if I fall asleep, it still counts. <laughs> I was like, whoa, I was ready for something much more challenging than that. She's, and she's done a lot of other things to grow in godliness. She's gone into some very strict training. But at the center of all of it was this key. 
offer your body as a living sacrifice. Jesus, I belong to you. To recognize that every single day of your life. Not only do I belong to you, but that I am meant to become like you. I talked to a pastor this week, and he, he, he was from uh, Alberta. And uh, I said, you know, we were talking about why we do what we do. And he said, well, my goal in life, he said, is to grow in the um, contentment of Jesus, the joy in Jesus, and the confidence of Jesus every single day of the rest of my life. He says, I'm thi- I think hard about how to do that every day. How is my contentment in Jesus going to grow today? How is my joy in Jesus going to grow today? How is my confidence in Jesus going to grow today? And then he went on to say this. He says, because all of us are just apprentices of Jesus. Where Jesus lived the perfect life, the life that's the example to all of us. He, he knows more about human flourishing than any of us do. And if we want to live a life like that, we got to imitate him. Not just try, but train. That's what apprenticeships are. I don't know how many, how many of you have ever gone through an apprenticeship program of any sort or something similar. It doesn't maybe have that name. Yeah, you went through an apprenticeship program. It means that you were trained. They didn't just say, go try to be a mechanic, try to be a, a carpenter, scaffolder, nurse, teacher, doctor. Boy, that'd be scary. Try to be a doctor. See how it works out for everyone. No, train. And so he said, I train. I train. I'm an apprentice of Jesus. And I train, and I want to be like the one who's mentoring me. So I urge you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And then it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is an everyday thing. You know what? When you come to the Conquer series, there's going to be renewing of your mind. That's going to be part of that. When you come to the Growing in Devotion series, there's going to be renewing of your mind. That's going to be part of that. People who did Hearing God, renewing of your mind was a part of that. People who did set free, renewing of your mind was a part of that. If you come to the Family Prayer Summit, I bet renewing of your mind will be a part of that. And that's a real key in training yourself to be godly. It's to allow the pattern of this world, right? There's some things that are sort of common and and popular and and sort of thought of as wisdom in this world that are not going to lead you to a great place in your life. And if you can spot the lies that you've come to believe or that, you, or that the, end, or the culture is telling you, and you can stop them, the ones that are making you anxious, the ones that are making you fearful, the ones that are uh, making you angry and bitter and robbing you of joy and happiness, if you can spot those lies and then replace them with the truth of God, I guess it's here you're doing it, right? You're rejecting and renewing. It says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Would you love to know in every situation, God, what's your will? Renewing of your mind is a path towards that great result. So I praise God for you as a church. 
I'm absolutely thrilled uh, to be a part of this church, a church where people train themselves to be godly. If all we did was try to be godly, we'd just be sort of generally frustrated people. But I'm thankful that I'm part of a church where people train to be godly. Where people say, I'm an apprentice of Jesus. And the goal is to be like Jesus. And I realize there's a significant gap between me and Jesus. And so that isn't just I'm going to try to get up there. That's like trying to run a million marathons without training. But I'm actually going to train. I'm actually going to go through the process. I'm going to allow the Lord to do what he wants to do. And I'm going to take on the disciplines that, that might be necessary in order to go there. Let me read you. Luke 6.40, it says, The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who's fully trained will be like their teacher. Jesus said that. Isn't that hopeful? Wouldn't it be great to be like the teacher, like Jesus? The student is above the teacher, but everyone who's fully trained will be like the teacher. So, fellow apprentices. So, fellow apprentices. How do you want to grow? I want to leave you with a last question here. This is sort of a funny question, but I was reading it in a, I was reading just a book, sort of a daily devotional book, and I came across this question. But uh, how do you want to be like when you're old? Or what do you want to be like when you're old? Now, I'm saying this to you because none of you are old. Maybe like Dr. Magnus, you're in the fourth quarter. But that means you're in a pretty important quarter. And there's no season of life where you're done. Until you get to the extraction point and God pulls you home, you're still in the game. So who do you want to be? I mean, you're a human being, but you're also a human becoming. You are becoming something. Whether that something is more loving, more kind, more joyful, more compassionate, more considerate, more content, and more confident, or whether it's the opposite of all of those things. You're becoming something. You're on a trajectory. And what you're training in is deciding where you're going. So I ask you that question, what kind, of, what kind of person do you want to be when you're old? What kind of growth path do you think God wants you to go on in the, in, this, in the season ahead? What kind of equipping do you think he wants to bring into your life? What kind of tools do you, does he want to bring into your, your toolkit so that you can function and, and, and flourish? What's the path forward? I bet while I was talking about physical training, a lot of you were writing down, I've got to get back to the gym. That's only of some value. Godliness, I'm not poo-pooing that. If you need that, do that. I'm going to try to go back to the gym too, but godliness has greater value. So how do you think God wants to train you 
In what area does he want to change you? Maybe it's a character quality. Maybe there's something in your character the Lord shows you, ah, yeah. That's something that I'd like to see changed. I'm going to try. Whoa, whoa, stop. Don't try, train. Train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly. Will you stand with me?